Welcome to New City Online. I'm Tammy Metters. And I'm Ron Dasher. And we'll be your host today. We're looking forward to an amazing service with powerful worship and a message by our senior pastor, Chris Payne. And we're so thankful to be able to gather online in this way. Because remember, the church is not a building, but it's a people. That's right. And so many of our groups have already pivoted to meeting together in person. Driveway Church and Back Patio Church are a new thing. And if you've started meeting that way, let us know. We'd love to see pictures of you going to church together. We're in for an amazing morning of worship with Ramel Dash and the choir from Columbia, South Carolina, leading our time. So turn up the volume on your devices. Let's worship together. Good morning, New City. For this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm your friend, Romel Dash, all the way from Columbia, South Carolina, and I brought my friends from the Tent of Faith Gospel Choir, and we're just gonna minister some songs to you. I need you to get up on your feet, all in your living room, on your bed, and shout and give our great God a great praise, because he's worthy of all the honor and all the glory. The Bible said that he inhabits the praises of his people, so we're going to shout hallelujah in the atmosphere. Amen? I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing in the middle.
I raise a hallelujah. Help me say it in in the presence of my enemy. In the midst of this COVID-19 situation, yeah. Chaos is trying to take over our land, but I raise it, yeah. Because you're worthy, God, I raise a hallelujah. God, you're so worthy of all the glory and all the honor. Came to encourage you today that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. I just need you to know that God is able. The Bible said that life and death is in the power of your tongue. I need you to proclaim it and declare it. Say, God, you're able. Hallelujah. Exceedingly abundantly.
He's able. He's able. Say he's able. He's able. Say he's able. He's able. Say he's able. Don't give up on God. Cause he won't give up on you. He won't give up on you. He hasn't given up on you. Even though you made mistakes and you threw in the towel, he hasn't given up on you. So you got to declare over your life, over your body, over your mind, over your finances, over everything in your life that he's able. Hallelujah. He's able. He's able. He's able. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for being a man of your word. The Bible said that he's not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Meaning that if God said it, he has no choice but to live up to his word. So we have to stand on his word. Even when the enemy comes in like a flood, we have to stand on God's word and repeat it and confess it in the atmosphere. are possible when we believe old chains are breakable when we receive Yahweh you keep your promises if you said it we believe it if you said it
We say the word community a lot around here at New City. And the reality is we want to be a church where no one walks alone. In fact, we heard an Only God story this past week of a couple who have been watching online in preparation for their move to the Charlotte area. And the first week they were going to join us in a physical gathering was actually the first week we moved to online-only gatherings. That didn't stop them, though, from doubling down on their online engagement, watching each week, taking communion together as a couple, which led to them praying together more and, and doing daily devotions. And ultimately, that led them to serving in their new home of Charlotte with some of our New City partners. And we have so many New City folks that are showing up every single week to meet the needs of the city, even new New City folks. If you're ready to step in and start serving, we want to tell you about a new opportunity. We're joining with the Charmec Response Coalition in partnership with Crisis Assistance Ministry. And the week of June 13th through 20th, we'll be helping low-income residents in Southeast Charlotte fill out utility assistant grants. If that's something that you can sign up and help with, go to our website, newcity.us slash serve now. And we know that this season hasn't been easy for many of you. If you or someone you know has some care needs, we as a church want to come alongside you in that. The best way to find out information about these resources is through our website, newcity.us care. And New City family, you guys have continued being so generous in the way that you care for one another, serve and give. And because of that, we continue to be able to bring gospel renewal to our city and world and help so many people, not only inside our congregation, but also outside of our congregation. If you're not yet giving to New City and that's something that you feel led to do, you can do that today. It's very easy. Go to our website, newcity.us give. And now will you join me in praying for the offering? Father God, we just thank you so much for the way that you use this body of believers. Thank you for our New City family who's so generous. And Father, right now as we give, we pray that you will use these resources to multiply your purposes on earth. Lord, we just thank you for letting us be a part of what you're doing. Bless what is given today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so excited to continue our New City Value series today entitled Now More Than Ever. So here's Chris Payne with part two. Welcome to New City Online. We're so grateful to have each and every one of you joining us today from wherever that might be. We're so grateful to have you today as we continue a series that we started last week entitled Now More Than Ever. It's a series on our church values here at New City and we're gonna continue that today. But before I jump into this next message, I wanted to make mention that all of our sermons are available via our app. You can also go on the app and find sermon notes to follow along with today's message. If you're a person that likes to take notes or fill in the blanks, those are available. The whole outline is available. You can email those to folks who, who may be interested in seeing that. Again, you can go back and listen to previous messages. We started the series last week, so you can go and catch up if you missed it. You can also find a sermon study guide there to go further with the message, either individually or as a family or as a group. If you're gathered together and you want to go further with the message with some more passages and further questions, we'd love to have you join us and continue the journey uh, with the sermon through the app and the sermon study notes specifically. So we're going to jump into the series again today. We're in part two of Now More Than Ever, uh, a series about our church values, our behaviors together as a new city family. Let me begin with a quote from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer was a, a great theologian and writer, and he said this, what first comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What first comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What do you think about that? I wonder what that first thought is when you think about God. What is that today? Even right now in this moment, what's the first thought that you think of when you think about God? Tozer said, that's the most important thing about you. And he went on to explain the reason why that first thought that you think of when you think about God is the most important thing about you. The reason why that's the most important thing is because that thought begins to shape the thoughts that you have about yourself. Your, your view and your understanding of God, your thought of God begins to shape your view, view and understanding your thoughts about other people. It begins to form this worldview. 
And so that very first thought or the, the following thoughts that you have in your study and your understanding of God begin to form and shape your identity of who you are. And it also begins to shape your, your view of other people and how you begin to live towards people. Let, let me say it a, a, a different way. Your, your theology becomes your anthropology. I have a good pastor, Pastor Andrew Smith, who, who said that, that your theology, your, your study, your understanding of God begins to form and shape your understanding of people. Your, your theology, if you will, begins to, to form and to shape your behaviors and every single thing about you. Let, let me say it an, a, another way, that your orthodoxy, your, your set of values and, and views and standards of belief about God eventually must become your orthopraxy, the way that you practice and live and behave. What's in your head and your heart comes out in your hands. Your doctrine becomes your ethic. So our understanding of God, of who he is, eventually comes out in our words and our actions. And now more than ever, we as a people of God must bridge our beliefs, our, our doctrine, our understanding of God with our behaviors, our words and our actions towards other people. And so again, we started this conversation last week entitled Now More Than Ever, looking at, at values, which really are meant to be behaviors, individual behaviors, familial behaviors, and church family behaviors, organizational behaviors. And we talked about the fact that these values for us at New City are both observational. We're looking and seeing what do we view, uh, see now that's in our church family that we wanna, we wanna lift up as our, as our stated values and behaviors. And they're also things that are meant to be, they're, they're aspirational, not yet, but by God's grace, even more, we're becoming these things, these shared beliefs and behaviors together. So the New City Values all listed together. Again, Jesus is our King. We started there last week. And if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. That's where we start. Jesus is our King. We're going to continue today by talking about people are our passion, our second value. And then community is our design. And then finally, servant leadership is our offering. Jesus is our King, people are our passion, community is our design, servant leadership is our offering. And we started uh, with, with Jesus is our King and that was intentional. That's our very first value because we start right there. We have a King, his name is Jesus. And, and we are people of his kingdom. We are people that are bringing his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And all of our, our beliefs, all of our behaviors, our words, our actions, our emotions are meant to come under his kingship. The kingship of Jesus is the starting point of our life together as followers of Christ. And so we, before we get on to the other important values, we started there. And let's start there again today. Pastor Mark Sayers uh, says this, he says that post-Christian culture of which we're living in now, meaning a, a culture that, that isn't inherently Christian and that hasn't grown up with the understanding of, of God and who he is. A post-Christian culture can be best described this way, Sayers says, the kingdom without the king. Post-Christianity is simply the kingdom without the king. Now, what does he mean? It means that we want many things that come with the kingdom of God. We, we want his mercy and his grace and his love and his goodness. We want a, a lot of the attributes and things that come with the kingdom of God as they're described in the scriptures. But we don't want King Jesus. We wanna somehow work our way around the king, but we still wanna have the kingdom. And so instead of submitting to King Jesus, we're constantly working our way around Jesus as king, trying to, to co-opt the desired virtues of the kingdom on our own. Anyone relate to that? I, I want the, the goodness of God. I want the blessings of God and his kingdom, but I don't necessarily want to submit my life wholly to King Jesus. Author Julian Barnes wrote about living and dying as an atheist. And he said famously, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. What a statement. I don't believe in God, Barnes wrote, but I, but I miss him. I miss the idea of God. I miss the vestiges of, of what it was like to believe in God as a person, as a, as a nation. He went on to say in an interview later on, if this is all there is and this is all we are, what a disappointment life has been. I think this is a, a perfect statement of a person living a life, maybe pursuing some of the, the kingdom virtues and morality without submitting and coming to know King Jesus, the King himself. 
it eventually becomes a big disappointment because here's the thing, New City, the kingdom without the king not only cannot save you, it will crush you. The kingdom without the king is impossible. We are not able as broken, fallen people to live the kingdom life without the king himself and his life being in us, working in and through us. You see, we're not able to attain the morality and the purity of God's kingdom apart from God at work in our hearts from the inside out. And others, here's the thing, guys, even people that we love, people closest to us, others can never live up to our morality and our standards. They'll always fall short because we'll always see them as people who have to live up to what we want them to live up to, our kingdom standards, our little kingdoms that we're building. There's no grace, there's no mercy, there's no love as we've received it. And so it all falls apart and it's all just a, as Barnes said, a big disappointment at the end of it all. The kingdom without the king, again, how post-Christianity is described, that this world that we find ourselves in in many ways is just moralism, which ultimately leads to defeatism or judgmentalism. You say, Chris, Chris hang on, hang on. What, what are we talking about? If we don't start, right, by, by thinking about our, our values as, as, as followers of Jesus, and we don't start with Jesus is our king and we're here to serve his kingdom, and we're here to, to live out his kingdom principles from the inside out. If we don't start there and we try to work around Jesus's king, then it just becomes a glorified set of other values and laws that we're putting on ourselves and other people. And either we, we feel crushed by those laws because we can never perform, right? We can never live up to the perfection and the holiness of the kingdom and the king. And so we constantly feel defeated and ultimately depressed or on the other hand, we lie to ourselves and we actually think that we can attain that. And what happens when we think that we're perfect or that we've attained it all? We begin to judge everybody else because they don't meet our standards. And so it's interesting that, that kind of defeatism or, or depression or maybe even insecurity, if I could use that word, and judgmentalism or superiority, or even sometimes if I could use the word arrogance, that they're on, 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 sometimes like, like two sides of the same coin. And, 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 and the same coin is this thing called self, that I'm, I'm pursuing the kingdom without submitting to King Jesus. So we have to start with Jesus as our King. And then we pray his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, starting with me and my heart first and foremost. It doesn't take long in the Bible, Genesis 11. You can go back and read it yourself this week. The Tower of Babel, the people on the earth come together and they say what? They said, let's make a tower all the way to the heavens so that we can make a what? A great name for ourselves. In other words, let's take ourselves, the best of ourselves, and let's work our way to heaven for our glory. And, and, and then all of that is reversed in the New, New Testament. Actually, at Pentecost, all of this is reversed, where it's actually the kingdom of heaven coming down upon us to live in us. And we're being scattered out to the world to bring what? To bring him glory. It's the kingdom coming down on earth, beginning in my heart, and then being empowered to go live out the kingdom way of life, the Jesus way in front of other people in the way that I value them. So that brings us to our second value, New City. If Jesus is our king, then people will be our passion. If Jesus is our king, if he's the king of our hearts, then people will be our passion. Because when we love people, everybody listen to this, when we love people, we're doing what Jesus did. Jesus came here to love people. And when we love people, we're acting like our king Jesus. A good theology, a good understanding and study of God, a good theology should always lead us to love of others. Paul said it. He said, if I have knowledge, if I have understanding, if I have all of these things and I have not love, I am nothing. But when I truly see Jesus for who he is, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life and to die a, a, a death in my place for a perfect sacrifice. I, I have nothing left but to submit myself to his kingship and allow his life to enter into my life, to, to die to self and for his new life to be born within me. So we say it this way around here, loved people do what? Love people. 
loved people love people. When I know how much God has loved me, when I believe that, that first thought that I think of when I think of God, if it's the love of God, his great love for me, when I know that God has loved me, that causes me to begin to love myself and others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. That can't happen unless you truly believe that God loves you. That can't happen if Jesus really isn't your King. Without the love of King Jesus in my heart, I'm not able to love other people the way that he has loved me. I'm not able to forgive them. I'm not able to show mercy to them. I'm not able to understand them. I'm not able to accept them without God's love. I might be able to, everyone listen to this. I might be able to get along with other people. I might be able to conceal my frustrations and get really good at covering. Some of us are really good at covering. I can lead the parade on that. Some of us are really good at covering up stuff instead of allowing God to transform us, transform us from the inside out. So we put up this veneer of righteousness or, or of acceptance or whatever it might be, but underneath it doesn't match our hearts. We're unable to without God transforming our hearts from the inside out. Being nice is not what God has called us to ultimately. Being nice is only a substitute for being loving. And I can only love when I've been loved. Let me go a little bit further. Human tolerance is a substitute for godly love. I can't love other people though, if I haven't accepted the love of Jesus myself. I can't give away what I don't have. I've got to have that myself. And let me just say this to Christ followers who are, who are listening today. The, the people around us, the world around us, the people around us will take tolerance. They'll take that substitute when they don't see and experience real agape love from Christ followers. When people don't taste and see that the Lord is good, that when they don't experience real love, love from the Father, when they really don't experience that, they'll take tolerance. They'll take that. It's not enough. It's not enough just to, just to accept someone. That's the, that's the beginning point to love someone, to journey with someone, to express the love of God and mercy of God to them. Specifically today, it's not enough to not be a racist. It's not enough to just, uh, to just tolerate one another. That's not the Jesus way. Jesus calls us to something so much more and it begins in our own hearts with being loved. I don't know about you, but I've continued to, to educate myself specifically on racism and the, the history of racism in the church. And it's not a pretty one, guys. To, to be honest about that and to see all of our shortcomings. And, and yes, there's been successes, but there's been many uh, shortcomings. There, there's been many times that the church has not been the church showing the love of Christ to others. And we've got to do better. I hope that you will, you will join me on the journey of learning and understanding of, of repenting in the ways that we've fallen short, specifically in the area of racism, of treating people who are maybe different than us, that have a different skin color or who come from a different place or live, a, live a, uh, in a different way. They have a different socioeconomic status or whatever the differences might be. We find all kinds of different ways to, to categorize, don't we? That we would meet people with God's love, even if they're different, especially if they're different. And by the way, we're all different. God made each and every one of us different. Black lives matter. And for some of you, there's a response right now because you might be thinking about a political statement or you might be thinking about a political organization. But as we think about this value of, of, of people being our passion, let, let's just say together today that black lives matter, but that's, that's the beginning point. Black lives are accepted for Christ followers, it's not just mattering. That's the beginning point. That's the base. It's something so much more for Christ followers. Black lives are accepted and loved and valued and seen and beautiful and needed and worthy and made in the image of God. Let me be clear. Absolutely every single person and race is important because God made them. We've been made in the image of God. But not every race is feeling the weight of oppression and sting of racism. 
So, so for you right now, again, when you, when you hear those three words, black lives matter, I'm not sure what resonates in your heart, but may I share something with you? For, for me, I've, be, I've begun to couple that with a question, to, to put a question mark at the end of those three words and, and, and to see that statement, Black Lives Matter, as a question from people who are wondering, does my life matter? Do you love me? And shouldn't we as Christ followers lead the parade on our tiptoes and saying, yes, and not just that, not only do you matter, but you're loved and you're accepted and you're worthy and you're beautiful and you're made in the image of God and you're needed. If my wife says to me, if Jen says to me, do you love me? And I say back to her, babe, I, I, I love all people. Don't try that, by the way. That doesn't really cut it, does it? Now, she, she's asking me specifically, do you love me? And and I, and. and, and and on my journey, like even specifically this week, I, I've, I've, I've begun to, 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 to see that as a, as a bid, a, a bid for a, a question asking, do you love me? Does my life matter? And, and maybe that would change your perspective even on that statement. Again, politics aside, everything's being so politicized right now. As Christ followers, as, as followers of King Jesus, We've got to be able to see people and the questions that they're asking. And if someone's saying, do you love me and do I matter? The answer is emphatically, yes, yes. And it's not just because of my opinion. It's because of what King Jesus has done for all of us. It's what I believe about God. That's why I can stand on my, my tiptoes and scream out, yes, yes. People are our passion because people are made in the image of God. All people and all people have dignity. More than any part of creation, people reflect the glory and the beauty of God. We are the crown of his creation. And God didn't make a mistake when he made any single one of us. He made each of us with a purpose specifically and differently. And yet we are one, one human race. That's the story of the scriptures. As Christ followers, we have to lead the way. We have to find our voice. And, and if I may, we have to learn that. We have to grow. The Bible says, live with one another in an understanding way. The apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 5, let your reasonableness be known to all men because the Lord is near. Church family, the Lord is near. Let our reasonableness be known to all because God is near in the time that we have, let's be, let's be on the, the front saying we love people. And if there's a group of people among us that are asking the question, do you love me and does my life matter? Let our answer be the first and the loudest, yes. We're gonna have a further conversation. We're gonna keep talking from the inside out about what it looks like to continue to pursue racial justice, reconciliation, loving one another, understanding one another, journeying together. Our series in July is entitled Blind Spots, Seeking Justice from the Inside Out. And myself and Pastor Rodney and Pastor RJ and other leaders are gonna be a part of that. And we're gonna be creating resources and ways for us to go further in that conversation and journey together. And I wanna invite you into that. But here's a good starting point for all of us. This is a trustworthy saying and deserving of full acceptance, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a passage that we used last week. Paul says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. What if we began there and we said, it's me today, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I lead the parade in the need of God's grace and forgiveness and mercy. And he came here to show his passion towards me and to love me. And he calls me to do the same towards others, especially others who may be different from me and whatever that might be. Now more than ever, if, king, if Jesus is our king, then people are our passion. If you have your scriptures turned open with me in the time that we have left in John chapter 12, verses 27 through 36. Jesus is in his final week, Passion Week. And he says, now is my soul troubled, verse 27. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. 
Listen to these words. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. John 12, 27. Let's just stop there for just a second. Jesus says, my heart is troubled. I'm troubled. Any of you feel troubled? My soul is troubled, Jesus says. The depths of who I am is troubled. And he says to his father, what shall I say? I'm asking a question of my father. Save me from this hour. Should I say that? Jesus is, 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 is expressing that out loud. What vulnerability Jesus is showing here. And that he reminds himself as we kind of get a glimpse into his thoughts. He reminds himself that it's for this purpose. Underline that in your scriptures if you're following along. It's for this purpose that I have come to this hour. There is a purpose for this hour. And it's something beyond even my feelings. It's something beyond even the, the things of my emotions and, and even my pain and disappointment and confusion that I might, might be feeling. There's a purpose beyond it. That's what Jesus is saying, John 12, 27. And then he goes further. He says, uh, verses 28 through 31, he says, Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. What a great prayer, by the way. A, a, a simple four word prayer. Father, glorify your name. May that be true in our lives. He continues by, uh, and the story continues. And then a voice from heaven uh, came and said, I have glorified it in answer to Jesus and I will glorify it again. Verse 29, the crowd that stood there and heard it said uh, that, it, it, that it thundered and others asked, and uh, uh, others said an angel has spoken. And then Jesus answers verse 30, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So, 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 so in other words, the simple prayer there, that four word prayer that we could maybe take with us today, Father, glorify your name. And, and, and as Jesus comes to that place and says, ultimately, this is my purpose. So Father, glorify your name. That's the purpose of my life, to bring you glory, to bring you fame. That's the, the purpose of my life. And specifically the purpose of why I came here to love people and to die in their stead. And, and the father says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it in an audible way. So this, this goes all the way back when, when Jesus was baptized at, at the, the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, they hear this voice from heaven, the father speaking. And Jesus says, it wasn't for my benefit. I always hear the father. It was for your benefit. He says that to the crowd. And then he continues in verse 32. And I, this is the really the theme of the entire passage, John 12, 27 through 36. He says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw all people to myself. Circle that word in your Bible, all, because all means all. And that's what, that's all, all means. I'm going to draw all people to myself, verse 32. And then in 33, he continues by saying, uh, this, this is to show by what kind of death he was going to die. He said this to show what kind of death he was gonna, going to die, John records. So, so Jesus says, when I'm lifted up, all people are gonna be drawn to me. I'm gonna draw all people to me. And John says, he said this to, to demonstrate what kind of death he was gonna die on a cross being lifted up. Now, what's interesting is that phrase lifted up it was used several different times in the gospel of John. When Jesus is teaching Nicodemus in John 3, he uses it. When he's teaching others in John 8, he uses it. Normally it's used in a way of exalting. That's the Greek word. It means to, to exalt. But what's really interesting here and fascinating is we think about people being our passion and the example that Jesus sets here in John chapter 12. Jesus says, actually, when I'm lifted up, when I'm exalted in that way by being humiliated, by lowering myself, by dying a sinner's death, by being executed, that's how I'm going to be lifted up. And it's by the lowering of myself, allowing myself to be sacrificed in your stead. It, that's how I'm going to be ultimately exalted as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's beautiful language. And, and then finally, let's, let's round out the passage here together. Verse 34 through 36. The crowd answers him, right? The crowd answers and says, we've heard uh, from the law that the Christ remains forever. So how can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? And then they ask the question, verse 34, who is the son of man? And so Jesus answers 35 and 36, the light, listen to these words, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And I wanna highlight two words here. Believe and become, verse 36, John 12. Jesus says, you're, you're, you're gonna have the light a little while longer. So walk in the light. 
Don't walk in darkness and, and, and be lost and, and stumble and not know where you're going. But instead, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And I just want to all the way back to where we started today. My belief, my belief is ultimately what I become. What I believe about God ultimately is evidenced in how I become and how I live that out and behave towards other people. So Jesus makes this great gospel offer, believe in the light. In other words, he's saying, believe in me and become sons of the light. And as you become sons of the light, go into all the world, as he would say later, and share that light in dark places, a world that desperately needs to see the light. And what he's saying, he puts a scope on this, doesn't it? There will be an end. There will be a time that, that it's over for believing. So while you have the time, even today, for some of you listening right now, to believe in Christ, that's the call from Jesus to you. To believe him as your king, to submit to him, to invite him into your life, to trust him today, to do that while you have the time and to become sons of the light, children of the light, taking that light into all the world. Let, let me say it a different way, New City, as we close today. Jesus is our King. We believe that. And now we're becoming, right? We're becoming agents of His light and His kingdom. So people, so people are our passion. Now more than ever, may that be true of us. To Christ alone be the glory today. Let's pray together. Father, glorify your name. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us for the ways that we try to bring earth to heaven and make it about us. It's not about us. It's about you, Jesus. You are our king. And because you're our king, may people be our passion May you give us an opportunity today to demonstrate what we believe about you and what we believe about ourselves because of you. May people be our passion and may we demonstrate that in our words and our actions. Give us the wisdom today, each and every one of us from your word. Give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to us and now give us the courage to go and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Our New City Online hosts want to share just a few more things with you today before we go. But if you're able, would you extend your hands now for a benediction? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and turn his countenance towards you. And may the Lord today and always fill you with his peace and his mercy and his love. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Love you, New City. What a great message. People are our passion. So now we've been introduced to our first two New City values. Jesus is our King and people are our passion. Make sure to join us next week for that third value. And hey, if you're new with us, we want you to know that we are so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. And we wanna be able to connect with you. We've created something that we call the virtual lobby. And this is a place for us to say hello and get to know you a little bit. To get the link to that lobby, text us the word lobby to 704-228-4489. And the virtual lobby is open for the 15 minutes after every service. We really hope to see you there. Thanks so much for joining us today at New City Online. We love you, church. Have a great week.